0: My wife, my wife and I, we sat in her parents' uh, driveway, getting ready to walk inside her, her home. And we'd only been dating for uh, a few weeks, but it was time to officially meet her parents. In fairness, I had, I had already met her parents before because I dated her cousin. Um, I'm from Kentucky, so that all checks out. Um, <laughs> This would be the first time I met her parents while also dating their daughter. I was uh, a little fearful, rightfully so, and I, as I walked in the front door, her father, he's, he's sitting on uh, his recliner, and I'd say in, the case, in a lot of these cases, um, he was sitting there cleaning his handgun. and. I don't think that was a mistake or a coincidence. If I was a gambling man, I would say that he was probably doing that on purpose. And, uh, but it did have this healthy fear grow in me, a fear that, like, if you hurt this man's only daughter, uh, you would pay dearly for that. And so he sat there um, um, in his chair and, Several years later, I, I took this ride with him in his truck around town, and and my heart was beating really fast, and I showed him the ring uh, for my wife, and I, I asked his blessing to marry his daughter, and he again, he sat there in silence for quite some time, and um, that fear kind of grew in me, and he made me promise that, that she would finish college, and if we got married, and she did, so, but I was terrified in that truck, uh, and I, and I think it was a healthy fear, and and in reality, there are there are healthy fears uh, in this world. Whether it's a a son-in-law fearful of what a father-in-law might do if he ever hurt his baby girl, a student fearful of what a teacher might do if they get out of line, um, a citizen fearful of what authorities might do if they. Uh, break the law, a child fearful of what their parents will do to them if they disobey. And of course, those things can be, uh, can cross a sinful and, and I would say terrible boundary. But if anything, I think our culture has lost a needed fear of those with authority. So yeah, there is such thing as a healthy fear, but that's not the passage we're looking at today. Today, we're not learning how to avoid fear uh, from those that are for us. We're we're learning fear, how to avoid fear from those that are against us, or I would say specifically against God. When enemies of God are near, when enemies of God surround you, when enemies of God uh, seek to harm your character or your life or your reputation, because look, um, it's here and it's coming. We are not safe because we're in East Tennessee. The enemy is here and growing. So what will East River Park do when it finds itself as one of the last remaining churches that are faithful to the gospel and to his word? What will you do when it seems like all your friends and all your family have bailed on God for the God of self-seeking happiness that's sprinkled with a little morality. So yeah, the enemy is here. And Psalm 27 and 28 will show us, uh, through the lens of David, why Christians fear no one. So we'll be, um, in Psalm 27 today... uh, That's our focus for this week and for next week. Why Christians fear uh, no one. If you have a digital Bible, again, I'll read out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, it's all there in your bulletin. But uh, before we read and study the text, let's pray together. God, we are uh, a humbled people. God, and I'm I'm thankful uh, for the gathering of of the saints for those in the first service and those in the second service to, to gather with each other, to encourage one another, to sing together and study your word. God, forgive us for when we, it just seems like this is just something we do. God, this is a supernatural gathering. This is unique, it is strange in a culture that doesn't want anything to do with you. It's, it's strange in a culture that, that would think it's silly or a waste of time to look at the truth an unchanging truth in a book. So God, I pray that you would speak to us, that, that you would first, that you would speak to me, that you would change my heart, my mind, that I might see myself for who I truly am and my desperate need for Christ before you and um, so God uh, just be with us we ask these things in your son's name amen. Psalm 27 this is what it says we'll read it together it says of David the Lord is my light and in my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid So when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. And though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. And so one thing I've asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing to make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. My father, my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witness have risen arisen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I'll state the obvious Uh, This is a psalm of David. He's in a moment of desperation where enemies, or what he calls them evildoers, are ready to pounce in violent waves. He's not waiting for the enemy to make a phone call of some sort of negotiation. He's ready for the enemy to violently destroy So we see the two of really the exact same questions in verse one. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? Well, we don't know when David specifically wrote this psalm. So we don't know if that enemy he's referencing is King Saul and those around him it's possible he's referring to the surrounding nations of Israel as his enemy the only thing we know is that David is referring to a person or persons not just a situation it's the pronoun whom shall I fear whom shall I be afraid and the quick answer is no one David has no reason to fear the enemy. He has no reason to fear in the same way that we have no reason to fear. says, the Lord is my light and my strength. Two words that go together. In the first line, you see the two words, light and salvation. That is actually a running theme throughout the entire Bible. We're a people that walk in darkness. We need a light. I mean, even Isaac mentioned it during his communion devotional or Matthew's communion devotional through Isaac, however you want to view that. Um, We are a people that walk in darkness, and we need a light to pave the path of salvation. That's exactly what Jesus did looking at John eight twelve Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus is the light of the world. He is our salvation. But as I mentioned in the text mentions, likewise, David speaks to the Lord being our stronghold or our refuge, or our strength. Simply the Lord is our strength. Even though we are surrounded by strong enemies, our Lord is stronger than those enemies. I mean, that's really the message in a recap that I have no reason to fear because the Lord is my light and my strength. I'm not sure... um, many of us understand why this message is so important. Maybe everyone doesn't like us, but it's hard to relate to what David is, is going through. I, I don't have evildoers planning to violently kill me that I know of. Um, I don't have enemies that want my flesh to be eaten up. I don't have an army against me. I don't have war in my personal life. So let me remind us who our enemy really is, 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Meaning, David didn't fear the enemy, but he also wasn't ignorant of the presence of the enemy. Meaning, this message is not going to make sense to you if if you're just going through your happy Christian life oblivious to a very real enemy that wants to seek and kill and destroy. American Christians, warfare is here, and we've been given these weapons to fight. So let me show you why, why David is so confident in this moment and how we can be as well. Why Christians fear no one. here's uh, three things for this week, and I'll give you three more from Psalm 28. But here's point one for this week. We seek the presence of the Lord. You want to be confident like David? Seek the presence of the Lord. Verse four of our text, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And then you see the same language going down to verse eight of the text. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Look, one of the The many reasons why David is is labeled, described as a man after God's own heart is because he seeks after and loves the presence of the Lord. It's all through the text Psalm 26, 8. Oh Lord, from uh, the chapter previously. Oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 84, 1 through 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. David seeks the presence of God. Do you not find that just a little bit interesting in this situation? When the enemy feels very present, we seek a lot of things to find comfort and the answers in this life. So for some of us, maybe it's, it's like a vice that you struggle with. Or, or, or maybe it's just ignoring God and then seeking wisdom with the things of this world. But David seeks the presence of the Lord to stare and, and admire the beauty of the Lord, to seek answers to the questions of life and the presence of the Lord. It's not some like superficial meditation for us t- uh, today. It's not like it's like I'm going to teach us how to unlock the secret places of God. To be in the presence of the Lord is to spend time in his word. So if I ask you the question, do you want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord? Read your Bible. You want to find some answers to difficult questions? Read your Bible. It's it's literally preparing for warfare against the enemy with the sword. Read your Bible. So there's a good chance that that you and I, we feel all out of sorts when the enemy is in the backyard because we spend most of our time looking out the back window rather than gazing on the beauty of the Lord. Or let me make that even more simple for us. There's a good chance you and I are filled with this unending anxiety because we're too busy watching all of the other world's problems and not resting in the presence of the Lord by reading his word. I'll press a little deeper. Because David... um, He's not just speaking about a desire to be in the presence of the Lord in some sort of spiritual, or at least not just in some spiritual or eternal sins. David is also using language of a physical dwelling place of the Lord right there in Psalm 27. He uses temple language. He uses shelter language. He uses tent language. So throughout the Old Testament, reading through the Old Testament, the presence of the Lord is found in a physical dwelling, whether that's the tabernacle or whether it will become the temple. In the New Testament, I would say the presence of the Lord is still found in the temple. That doesn't mean Jesus couldn't pray with his father on the mountain, because he does. But Jesus, he also went to the temple. Listen to the words of Jesus shares with his parents when they finally see him in Jerusalem. They're looking for their kid. This is what he says to them, or at least the narrative. This is Luke 2, verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you been, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I, we've we've been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I would be in my father's house? And then later on, Jesus, he, he dies and rises from the dead, and he sends us the Spirit, our helper, our advocate, 1 Corinthians 3.16. I mean, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? I mean, the, like the radical meaning of that reality is that the presence of God dwells in us as followers of Christ. Here's the problem with that. Some Christians have used that one amazing reality as an excuse to throw out all of biblical and church history. As if cool, like my body is a temple, I have the spirit, I have the presence of of God, and I'm not sure I really even need the physical gathering anymore. And let me just kindly tell you, if that's your mentality, if that's the way you think about Christianity, the enemy has already assailed you, is in the process of eating you up. God, in his grace, did not just choose a person, he chose a nation. And God, in his grace, did not just choose an individual, but a body. So following the Lord has been and always will be an in-person communal movement. So if I can speak freely here, which, I mean, what choice do y'all have? (laughs) So here here we go. When COVID hit, um, I wish we didn't close the doors of East River Park for two months. In that same breath, like I, I don't regret that we did in the moment. We were doing the best that we that we could with the information we had, and I certainly was uh, also one of the elders that sat in that meeting and cast a vote. But the truth is, it wasn't and still isn't a virus that's the greatest threat to the church. It is the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So if the church is going to be a hospital for the eternally sick, then we need to keep our doors open, even when people are physically sick. If you don't feel good, or if you pop positive for COVID or or the flu, like stay at home, get better. There's no shame in that. People not here today for that very reason. It's no shame, but the rest of us will be here worshiping and we'll welcome you when you come back. Please don't ignore the enemy. Don't underestimate the enemy. But also don't fear the enemy. We fear no one. We seek the presence of the Lord. And lastly, before I move on to point two, men, teach your family how to seek the presence of the Lord. That's your responsibility. There's enough dudes in here that I can just look at all of you and make everyone feel like, okay, okay. All right, I'll just look at everyone. It's your responsibility to teach your family, to show your family how to be in the presence of the Lord. That's your responsibility, no one else's. Why Christians fear no one? hears. point two. We sing of a victory that is promised. Sing of a victory that's promised. Um, several years ago, I was sitting in a church service um, a so church plant, time of worship, we met in a movie theater, so they would display the lyrics to um, the songs we were singing on the movie screen, so it was pretty. thought that was pretty unique, and had a worship leader who is now a well-known Christian artist, so like everything was spot on, the worship was spot on, but the entire time I was singing, um, I had a friend next to me belting out lyrics, uh, how do I put this? Um, in the most painful way a person can sing all right and every note was out a key and I, I just kept telling myself like jason all right it's not about you you, you just quit listening to every you're, we're singing to jesus but i had trouble singing that sunday and so i know it's easy to get distracted during worship um, I know not everyone here likes the style of worship that we do. I know not everyone here likes singing. Like it's not just a church thing; you don't sing anywhere. And yet, music and singing are—they're the heartbeat of worship in the scriptures. In fairness, yeah, David's a musician, but listen to his words at the end of verse six. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. We don't have a worship team at East River Park so we can entertain you. We don't have a worship uh, team here at church so we can like fill in the gaps of a service. We don't have a worship team so we can emotionally manipulate you uh, so you can respond to the preacher. The worship team exists to lead us in lifting up the name of Christ. It's literally why the value states Christ-exalting worship, to lift up Jesus. We sing for really the same reason David sings in Psalm 27. It's this cry of victory in anticipation of the actual victory. Look at Numbers 10. Verse 10, on the day of your gladness also, and at your appointed feasts, and at the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offering. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I am the Lord your God. So what a profound statement to the enemy. I mean, to have war rising around us, and then a bunch of Christians gathered to sing about Jesus. I mean, what a statement to a world that just is so negative to have the world burning and a bunch of Christians gathered to sing about victory in Christ. It's this holy confidence rooted in the truth of the word. Take my health and I'll sing. Take my job and I will sing. You take my life and I'll sing for the ages to come. The amount of confidence Dave, David shows is a testimony of what we need. It's like, it's not the preacher trying to boost Sunday attendance, wishing the services would like level out attendance-wise. It's not me trying to guilt you into singing its scripture. This is Ephesians 5. Starting in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the days are evil, the enemy is at hand, and the will of the Lord is to gather and address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The will of the Lord is for you and I to sing and make melody to the Lord with our heart sing church i mean even if you sing you're like i don't sing if you don't sing anywhere else sing of the victory that's promised even if you don't carry a tune i'll try to ignore it (laughs) sing for the victory that is promised i mean make east river park a testimony that anyone that walks into this building They know, like, this church sings loudly for the name of Christ. Why Christians fear no one? Lastly, three, we believe in the goodness of the Lord. What you see is this back and forth pleading in the Psalms, Psalm 27. There is a prayer of desperation, then truth, and a prayer of desperation, and then truth. And I think that's a good way for us to think about prayer and difficulties of life. Pray, look at the promises. Pray, look at the promises. Pray, look at the promises. It's the pattern we see in verse, starting in verse 9. Turn not your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Don't cast me off. Don't forsake me, God of my salvation. Yeah, my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your ways, lead me on a level path. Verse 12, don't give me up to the will of my adversaries. They speak of a false witness and breathe violence, and then we get to verse 13. I believe, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that that phrase, land of the living, is really life on this side of eternity. It isn't speaking about heaven. Uh, it's speaking about the now. So David really believes that he will see the goodness of the Lord in this life, specifically physical victory over a physical enemy. Uh, this unwavering confidence of faith to believe in the goodness of the Lord. We started, um, started off 2022 pretty Strong as a family as is what it felt like. Things were going well. Kids are doing well in school. My wife, uh, she started working full time at Isaiah 117. And so things were going well. And then it slowly began to unravel. Dishwasher broke, had to buy a new one. Water heater broke, had to buy a new one. TJ got to be a part of both of those experiences. Two HVAC units in the house finally needed to be updated, so we had to buy two new HVAC units. So 2022 getting pretty expensive, and then my wife and I were driving uh, back home from Johnson City, driving into Elizabethton, and she grabbed my arms and said, "Something's not right," and I, I, like I don't feel, I don't feel right, and so tears. She never does that, so she. Like tears began to form in her eyes and she squeezed my arm tighter. And so like my got r- real nervous. World stopped, uh, drove her to the doctor and then we went to the ER and she ended up with COVID. Uh, no other issues, no other symptoms, just, just heart issues. It didn't make sense. We had been, we've been faithful to God. We've been trying to do the right thing. So, and I'm thinking where, <laughs> where's the goodness of God in this? 2022 was not what I expected. Then two of the kids had their tonsils removed. And then I bring it up several times. Uh, Daughter flipped, four-wheeler ended up in the ER. And then the hospital bills began to pile up. And we've been faithful. We've walked in righteousness. What's happening? Where's the goodness of God in this? And some of you hear that and only wish your life had been that easy and your story has been infinitely more heavy and difficult where's the goodness of the lord in the land you're living in here's here's the radical advice david prays and gives us in verse 14 he says wait for the lord come on david I mean, I thought he'd give us some ammo. We want to fight. We want to see the goodness right now. We want to see the enemy destroyed right now. Let's take out the enemy. And David's advice, wait for the Lord. Why Christians fear no one? Your simple summary point, we will wait for the Lord. We will wait for the Lord. 2022 hasn't been the year I thought it would be. And yet the Lord has been good to us right now. And even in your darkest hours, the Lord has been good to you, even if it didn't always seem very good. We don't fear the enemy and yet life's not easy and yet the enemy is still camped in our backyard and terrible stuff happens all the time. Just read the news. There's uncertainty all around us. The world that my children will grow up in, it just feels very dark and yet I still believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Church be strong so that's what David says even when it seems like every other person is bailing on biblical christianity be strong church take let your heart take courage that our lord is our light and our strength wait for the lord he will rightly claim what is his i can't teach the message without ending with this verse isaiah 40 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up on the wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. If you have any questions about the text or just anything going on in life or want to respond to the word, I would love to talk with you, but let's pray and then sing together.